Man, I just I gotta share with you just the out of worship this morning. I, my heart was really resonating with some of what Jamie was saying as we were worshiping today. You know, we've had a, one of those weeks where you're like, God, I know you're leading us up to fall, but can we still have some more sunshine? It's it's been a little bit of a gloomy, cooler week, and some of that feels nice for opening the windows and that. But even just sitting in here this morning, I just I just felt like. Man, it, sometimes coming in on a Sunday, even for pastors and staff and all of us as believers, sometimes when we come in and we expect to encounter the presence of God, sometimes we need to ask him to lead us through whatever distractions there might be or whatever heaviness we may be feeling or what, whatever tiredness we may have, whatever that looks like. When we, when, when we worship like we did this morning, we're really saying, God, I give you my attention, I give you my energy, and I'm choosing God to put you first today. And I feel like as we cling on to God and that and his presence in that moment you know for me that today I could just feel him lifting me higher as I raised his name higher you know it almost feels like the weight of the world can float away a little bit when you just get in that moment with God and so in worship I encourage you on Sundays grab a hold of God and make it about him and he will lift you up but also I, I encourage you our worship here on Sundays, I hope, is just an example to you to show you what that looks like so that you can get, grow in a hunger for that on your own as well, outside of church, to be able to experience God and to, to connect with him every single day of the week, whether that's in your car or in your home or alone or with your family or your friends or whatever. God is tangibly available for you to meet with him and to feel his presence in your life. And it will make a difference when you connect with God because he is so amazing. And so, you know, I just felt like that was such an important thing for me to feel this morning and to share with you because as we've been doing this series, we're on the last Sunday of our series about the book of First John today. And, you know, we've been talking about d digging deeper into the truth of God's word and, and learning how to live by that truth instead of the world's way. And I don't want what we're talking about in this series to end with this series. I want us to be able to dig into God's word, to dig into worship with God, to be able to take what we're learning here out into our lives so that we don't just see God as, as, a, as a Sunday hype, but as a part of our lives that really builds up who we are in so many ways. We've been talking about how important it is that we read the Bible for ourselves. We have to know what's in there. And so, you know, these last few weeks, we've been going through some amazing parts of Scripture throughout God's Word, First John and some other passages, talking about trusting in God's Word, um, how He prepares us, sets us free from our sin, how we can experience His love in some powerful ways. And so as we close out this series today, we're going to be talking about some of the, the wisdom we find in chapter 5. And specifically, today's message is titled The Pursuit of Truth. Because God is truth, and we're going to pursue Him, and we experience Him, and we get in His Word. We're not only gaining information that is true, we are encountering the truth itself of who He is, our one true God. So, throughout chapter 5, I mean, you know, if you, if you read through chapter 5 and 1 John, you'll notice throughout this whole book, through all five chapters, John in this book, I don't, you know, it's not necessarily how he writes the gospel even of John, but he's a very circular thinker, right? We're, we're, oh yeah, we're hearing love in chapter three and in chapter four, and we're talking about, you know, the truth in God's word here. You know, he kind of keeps coming back around to these same things. But when we read chapter five, something that he really hits home on more than, more than in other places is bringing this deep focus on an idea of prayer, right? 
He, obviously, he's wrapping up his book in chapter 5. He's starting to close down this letter. Um, but he really takes some time to dig into the concept of prayer. And I believe for us as believers, we have to go, John, why, you know, why did you make this so important? What, what are you really talking about that we can learn from here today as we learn from your wisdom and your truth? And so um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with to the first John chapter 5. We'll always have that on the screens for you as well. Or there's Bibles under your chairs um, if you want to look at a paper copy. Sometimes that's nice to feel the paper, right? You know, oh, I have God's word right here. Um, but we're going to turn to 1 John chapter 5, and I'm going to start here in verse 13 today. I'm going to read verses 13, 14, and 15, and it says this. So John writes, he, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's writing to Christians, right? Believers in Jesus Christ. So that you may know you have eternal life. Right? This word isn't just a, hey, live your life better. You should know, have more confidence in your place with God because of what we read in his word. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. That's a pretty lofty statement, right? We'll dig into that a little bit more here today. But, you know, we're, we're confident that he hears us and, we, and that we, when we make our requests, we know that he wants to respond to us right. Well, this reflects a lot of something else John wrote. I want us to jump now to the Gospel of John, um, another one of his writings when he's reflecting on the life of Jesus and all that ministry that happened when Jesus was walking the earth. And then, so he writes this in John chapter 14, and this is, this is his testimony of Jesus he said, and this is where Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, right? So Jesus is talking. This is John relaying what he heard Jesus say. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Are you sure about that, Jesus? That's a pretty big statement too. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So this concept, he's saying, look, communicate with me. Make your requests. Bring them to me, and I will, on behalf of you, bring them forth to the Father. And he says it's even going, even more important that I go be with the Father because I can send you the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we think God the Father is way off up there, or how can, Jesus, how can I still talk to Jesus? Because after he died, he rose again, but then he ascended to heaven and he left, right? But he sent us the Holy Spirit, who is God. So we still have the presence of God with us. He's saying, look, through, through the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, just communicate, pray, talk. The Father hears you, and he will respond, right? I think as we, as we uncover this topic of prayer this morning, um, I would say any of you who have any ounce of, heard, heard any ounce of teaching on prayer before know, okay, yeah, yeah, prayer is supposed to be important. I get it. The, you know, whether, whatever that looks like, there's supposed to be some sort of dialogue through prayer that happens. And maybe you've grown up in church and prayer is something that you memorized and you recited because someone else showed you the value of that. Maybe it's something where you go away and you don't let anyone else see your prayer because you learned it's something private. Maybe prayer is something you see as something you're supposed to do in large groups and we all cry out to the Lord. There's so many ways that we've, you know, maybe you've seen prayer. Maybe you've walked in here today and you're like, what is prayer? Obviously, I hear it around the world because people say, my prayers are with you or my prayers go out. You know, how many, uh, you know, tragedy happens in our society and all kinds of celebrities come out of the word of work. Prayers be with them. Well, 
prayers to who? You know, like the, the idea of prayer isn't just a, a Christian thing, but when we talk about it here, we're specifically talking about a connection and a conversation that we have with the God, the creator, the father of Jesus Christ, the, you know, the living God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, all of that. So we're talking about connecting with him. But I understand with all of our backgrounds, with all of our, you know, different perspectives, for some of you out there, prayer might seem like a little bit of an uncomfortable thing. You're like, hey, I love the idea of it. Just don't ask me. You know, if, uh, man, I wish I could pray. I just don't know what to say. There's some different perspectives that we can come into this concept of prayer with. Um, but I believe for anyone who prayer may be uncomfortable for, I think sometimes it comes because we haven't had uh, not, not just because you, maybe you've had a bad experience, but I think sometimes we just don't have enough good experiences with prayer. So I want to read you a short story this morning. I was reading this book um, called Broken Escalators. There's a picture of it here by, by Pastor Peter Haas. So he pastors a large church in the Minneapolis area called Substance Church. I got to meet him at a pastor's conference that Pastor Ryan and I went to um, back in 2011 in Minneapolis and um, just followed some of his stuff. He's a guy that when you read his stuff, or we, he's going to be real, right? He named his church Substance. You're going to get something out of it. He's not going to beat around the bush. He's just going to tell it like it is. And I was reading this book um, called Broken Escalators. And um, I encourage you, if you want something good to read about God, how do I move into the next thing in my life that you prepared for me? It's a really great book. How do I go further in your call, God? Uh, but he, but he, he specifically takes a moment to share and make light of what, what it was like for him once he first got saved and, and encountered this concept of prayer. So let me read you this story here. It's pretty good. He says this. I'll never forget the first time I prayed in public. I was a fresh believer in a charismatic church, and everyone else at the prayer meeting seemed like a prayer ninja. They would flip and kick through the prayer lists like the most fluid and poetic prayers I had ever heard, quoting scriptures and Hebrew names of God I had never heard before. Then the worst of all things happened. One of the leaders asked me to pray. Me? Out loud, I asked in horror. It was like being asked to freestyle dance at a prof- as a, after a professional just flipped off the stage. I'm pretty sure I prayed like a caveman. God, uh, me no pray good. <laughs> so in that first month, I picked up a few tricks to spice up my prayer ninja dance routine and discovered that people are certain to be impressed by your super spiritual sounding prayers if you do the following. One, shout and cast something out when you pray. If little Emily needs to pray for her her boo-boo, your job is to yell the devil out of her, just in case. Two, use lots of fire metaphors. Consume us with your flaming smoke of fire. Alternate these with water analogies. Flood us with your dripping river of rain, O God. And follow this general rule. Shout during the fire, whisper during the rain. And when you run out of words, simply exhale loudly as if you're giving birth. No offense to those of you who have actually delivered a baby. (laughs) Three, quote an obscure Bible verse. It doesn't even have to make sense. A weird verse from Leviticus about cloven hooves and oxen will do fine. Just quote it passionately and talk your way into a metaphor about the marriage supper of the Lamb. When other people in the room hear this, their confusion will quickly morph into a deep respect over your spiritual insight, assuming you make this transition confidently. Act like everyone should know what you're talking about. (laughs) Number four, salt your prayers with obscure names of God. 
<laughs> My favorite, deep in the spirit sounding names are Jehovah Sidkenu or Mechdishkem. Make sure you hack out the guttural sounds like a native Hebrew speaker. You also might try quoting Amy Grant's song, El Shaddai, in the middle of your prayer as if you're spontaneously making it up. But be careful. Many young people these days don't know the song and may be so impressed that they'll want you to mentor them after doing this. Then your pretentious jig is truly history. And five, add a cool accent. Americans love it when British or Australian people pray. After trying it for a month, though, I was harshly told that you don't actually, you actually have to be from there in order to do that. So in this technique... Use this technique sparingly, specifically when you're visiting a new church. <laughs> but then he closes with it. He says, bear in mind that I'm not saying God actually likes these techniques. If you want God to actually hear your prayers, you may want to apply different advice. <laughs> so he, out of his experience, he's obviously making light of this fact that, look, when you're brand new into being a Christian or prayer, sometimes the concept goes over your head. It can seem pretty crazy, and he's obviously experienced a lot. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're wanting to... We're wanting to take a realistic perspective today. We want to approach prayer very practically this morning. I, I don't want you to feel like you have to be a prayer ninja today when you walk out of here. But I really hope that by the time we're done with this message today and you go home, you'll have a little more insight to know, okay, God, what could my prayer life look like a little bit here? You know, I was, when he was talking about the, the, uh, the accent, I was even thinking about, you know, I was thinking of, uh, was it, is it uh, Joel Houston? Who's the Australian guy? something. The guy from Hillsong, he's like, and God, I pray. And he like gets super deep. And, you know, have you ever been around those Christians where like they, they talk about God, but when they pray, they say God, you know, like the idea of prayer, like changes your language a little bit. You know, I don't know. Uh, it, sometimes prayer can bring out these moments where we, we're not always sure what we're going to get in that. But the experience of prayer, what, what I want you to get out of that a little bit, this, the experience of prayer is not about everyone else around you. It's not about impressing people who you're praying in front of. It's not about how eloquent your words sound or how many prayer flips you can do like he's talking about, right? It's about connecting with God. It's about pursuing our true God, pursuing the truth who is God, right? The kind of prayer that John is telling us about comes with a confidence that God hears us when we pray and that there's a, there's a knowledge that he will answer us. Doesn't that sound good? God, I know you hear me and I know that you will answer me. Isn't that, isn't that a great concept? Like how many of you would love to pray more if you could, without a shadow of a doubt, know God is hearing me right now and he will answer me. I feel like that sounds pretty great. But the number one discouragement sometimes with prayer comes when we don't see anything happen. And it, we aren't sure that he's hearing us, and we're not sure what's coming from it. And we're not seeing his response. You know, when it feels like we've wasted our breath, or we're talking to a wall, or how I many of when you pray, you're like, I got done praying, but it feels like I was just talking out loud in my head, and I don't know where this is going. Right? There, there can be these moments where we feel like we're that hamster on that wheel, like, what is this producing other than it's making me really tired, you know? The answer to the problem that we have in this concept comes from 1 John 5, specifically verse 14, where John says, uh, he's talking about our prayer. We know we can have confidence that he hears us and answers, whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Right? I love that specific part of that verse. Whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Because I think some of us, we miss that truth and we think, whatever I ask for that I want God's supposed to answer me because that's what that other verse said. Whatever I ask for in Jesus' name, I'm going to get. So God, that, that, 
that convertible I've been wanting, Lord, that new house I've been wanting, God, that promotion I've been wanting, why aren't you giving it to me? Because you're supposed to hear me and give me what I want. But I love that part where it says, whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. Now, I'm not saying that it wouldn't please God for you to have certain things in your life, but some of those things need to fall in alignment with his will for our lives. Sometimes us not getting what we want is his answer because he's protecting us from something. He's protecting our hearts. He's protecting our lives. There's things when I go through in life and I'm not getting something I want, I'm like, okay, God, that's frustrating, but I'm going to trust that you have something even better for me than I could have ever even imagined. Right before I got married to Sarah, you know, I said, God, these relation, other relationships must not have been working because you got something great in store for me that I can't even imagine. Even though there may have been moments where this relationship or that one I thought was the perfect one. Okay, God, obviously, you know, like now that I'm married to my wife, I realized there was something in store that He had planned that I, I, I couldn't have predicted, and it is great and it is amazing, and it's it's as perfect as obviously marriage can get. You know, like we're never perfect, and we're always working on ourselves and each other. But sometimes God's answer isn't the specific, tangible thing you really want to see right now happen, right? The key to our successful prayer life is finding out what pleases God and chasing after him persistently, asking for him to have his way in what pleases him. And and we can make our request, but God, I want to position myself to pursue you more than I pursue my wants and what I think I need. So this morning, we're going to explore some things that please God. We're going to explore some perspectives of ways that we can live our life and pursue God through our prayer life that sets us up for a pursuit of our God, right? Not because we have to please God to earn our way into heaven. We've already earned our way into heaven because we're children of God if we say yes to Jesus Christ. And we don't have to continue to please God to maintain our place as children in his kingdom, right? He loves us. We're for him. We choose to please him because when you love somebody, don't you want to please them? Right, marriage people, I really hope that you're still in a place in your marriage, right, where you want to say, you know what, I would really love to see that person happy. Our friends, man, if I got friends around me, I'm like, man, I just, I love when I see something good happening in their life. And if I can contribute to that, that'd be awesome because I just love to see people experience joy, experience life, experience the love of God, right? So, so this morning, let's explore some of those things that we can step into that please the heart of God, but also uh, things that help us pursue and draw near to God who is truth. The first way to pursue God involves a lot of surrender, and that is investing in people. Right? We can pursue God through our investment into his people because they are his. You know that's going to please his heart because when you invest in what he loves, it pleases him. Any parents out there, if you have friends or family that invest in your children, you probably, that probably pleases you because you know that they're getting something out of that, that and you don't have to do all the work, right? <laughs> Whenever we invest in God's children, he is pleased because they're also living reflections of who he is. God designed every single person on this earth with a reflection of his image. We were, mankind was made in the image of God. So when we love his creation, we're really saying, God, I love you as well. And this kind of investment, man, it has so many greater returns than any stock or any, uh, any bars of gold you can invest in or any Bitcoin out there that you guys are getting curious about because it's floating around in the media nowadays. Your investment into God's people will have way more returns than you could ever imagine um, in, in something else. Jesus said this in the book of Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 2. 
I love his perspective here on this idea of giving. He says, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity, right? He's like, don't invest in God's people so you can make yourself look good for your selfish benefit. Just love people, right? He says, I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So that's why not only do us as pastors not want to see what you guys give to the church financially so that we can keep our hearts clean, we want that to be your act of worship, not worrying about who's giving what. We don't, we don't want there to be special attention that we all get based on our, our acts and our works, right? We want to just say, God, we're doing this because we love you. And whatever you want to do in my life out of that, that's up to you, Lord. We want to surrender that. We want him to get all the glory. So when you're investing in people, obviously giving finances, giving money, you know, sowing into someone is a very tangible option. And, and I always encourage you to consider that one because when it comes to our finances, when it comes to us taking something and giving it, it involves us surrendering some level of fear and control that we have in a very tangible area of our own lives that can be hard to let loose on. But God, what would you do through me? What could you do through me in that area? But even if you can't give money, investing in God's people is an amazing thing that you can do through your time, through your acts of service, right? Just sitting and listening with somebody and building a relationship is a big investment, right? We talk about in our announcements all the time and we talk about from the stage, we don't do life alone. That takes an investment, not just for us to not be alone, but to come around someone else so that they're not alone, right? How can we keep our eyes open and ask God to show us the people in our lives that he might want us to invest in? And you don't have to feel guilty if there's a certain person that you, you know, you're like, don't have the opportunity to invest in. God will create avenues, but if we give him our lives and we give him our hearts and say, God, you show me, we'll know when he's nudging us. We'll know when that Holy Spirit is tugging at our hearts on something. We'll know we're being disobedient when we're not reaching out to that person. If it's, if it's a God-led relationship that he's wanting to build, right? Giving to others, whatever that looks like, it releases us from selfishness as well, right? So not only are you investing in God's people and pleasing his heart that way, you're, you're like showing the Lord, I'm willing to let go of me, God. I'm willing to follow the, your heart in this and, and live a life that worthy of the calling that you have placed on me. And, and giving to others will also open the door for breakthrough in our prayer life with God. So we want to invest in people. Another way to pursue God through prayer is to pray in private, right? Praying in private specifically as a, as a, as a, as a practice. And I want to start by saying this does not mean that you should only pray in private and then praying with others is bad. You know, sometimes I think when we hear stuff, whether it's the pulpit on a Sunday on, from a sermon or it's, a, uh, it's from a you know, worship song on the radio or from something online or someone we talk to, sometimes we hear a statement and we try to make an absolute out of it. We got to be careful of that. What I'm saying today is praying in private needs to happen. It's not the only way to pray, but we need to make sure that this part of our prayer life happens. Praying with others is extremely important. It sharpens us. It builds us. It grows us. It grows the other people we're around. But we need to find that balance between the two. We can't only pray alone, and we can't only pray with others. But we need to make sure, specifically what I want to talk about today, is that we make room in our lives to spend time with God alone and communicate with him through prayer. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly. He he's kind of has a theme going on here, doesn't he? You know, on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. 
You know, it's great to pray with others, but don't do it just so everyone thinks that you're super spiritual because you can pray, right? Like, do it so you can be sharpened and sharpen others, but also get alone and pray in private. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And he says this then in chapter 6, verse 7. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. He's saying, get away and be with God because you have relationship with him. You know, like if, if, if I'm calling my parents and I got to tell them something, I'm not going to like, you know, ramble the same thing over and over and over again, thinking if I just repeat this over and over and over and over again, they're going to hear what I'm having to say. If I have a relationship with them and I tell them, they're going to listen to me and they're going to know, right? And, and maybe later in another conversation, it'll come back up because I still want to share with them where I'm at. It's not that God doesn't want to hear you say the same things again later. It just has to come out of communication, not out of a religious, you know, task that you've turned it into. It needs to be out of a communication and relationship with our God. And so some of you may be wondering, well, okay, so prayer is important. How do I do that? Well, I want to walk through a really quick roadmap that Jesus actually gives us here in the book of Matthew. Um, and I want to walk you through some things that we can do in, in, a, in a prayer. And so th- this is going to be a very practical way. I would, I would suggest if, if you are struggling in your prayer life or you just want to have a good reminder of maybe how to pray when you're, for, when you're just in the moment of, God, what do I pray? Walk, walk through this roadmap with me, would you? Let's walk this in order here, um, starting in Matthew chapter 6. But uh, the first one is we worship God with our prayers. Our prayer, let's just start with God. When we get alone and we go be with God, you can do this in your car with your eyes open, but, or you can do this at home. But you can start by praying in a, as an act of worship, right? Math, Matthew 6, 9 says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. You may be seeing where I'm going. The Lord's Prayer is a really great roadmap for prayer today. But let's worship God with our prayer. Let's start by fixing our attention and our adoration on our Father, on His Son, on the Holy Spirit who is with us. Let's just worship Him. For me, sometimes it's just I need to turn on some worship music because I, you know, like even this morning, I'm like, God, when I'm in the midst of worship, I feel like I could step out of the other distractions and into that place where I connect with you. And I can sing the lyrics of that worship song as my prayer, or sometimes those words that someone so eloquently wrote because God stirred in their hearts spurs me on to get excited about talking to God. And sometimes when there's, I'll turn up the music and someone else is singing and, you know, like on the track, and I'm just going to start praying something different. But just being in the presence of worship, sometimes that helps me talk to God. Sometimes you might want to just read a psalm that's in the word of God. Um, and there's all kinds of songs. There's, you know, lamenting songs. But maybe read a psalm out loud as an act of worship because there's psalms that actually are written to worship God. Look at this in Psalm 100, verses 3 through 5. It says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. You can just read that 
and pray it out to God and worship him. You can even make that more personal as you pray to God, right? Say, God, God, I acknowledge that you are, you are the Lord, my God, that you made me, Lord, and I am yours, that I'm a sheep of your pastor, and I will enter your gates with thanksgiving. You know, start talking it out with God. Make it personal because you're talking with him, right? His word is there, and it, it gives us an opportunity to know how we can praise him from the people and the, the mighty men and women of God who've come from generations before us who have shown us what prayer looks like. Let's not try and reinvent prayer. Let's just know how to connect with God and we can use some of these formats to worship him with our prayers. Then, you know, we can come to him and worship and then we can begin to pray his will over our lives. You know, I'm gonna get into some other areas of prayer for our life, but um, let's worship him and then let's pray his will um, before we start praying our own. Matthew 6.10 says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say just, Lord, I want you first. What is your desire for me in my life? What is your desire for my job, for my family, for this, for this community, God? I'm gonna, I want to pray for my city, but what do you want me to pray for, God? Lead me in my prayers, Lord, so that you get the glory, so that your will is done before my own. And then open up and be, be, know that you can confess your needs for today with your prayer. Right? God, I, I, I come to you because you asked me to, to acknowledge what I need for today. Matthew 6.11 says, give us today the food we need. Other vert translations are daily bread. Basically, God, I'm going to come before you and ask that you would provide me with whatever I need today. Maybe that matches what I want today, but nonetheless, God, I trust that you will give me everything that I need to get through today. And I may want to worry about tomorrow, Lord, and maybe I'm going to start preemptively asking you for that a little bit as well, but I trust that today you will give me what I need. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, and get specific with them a little bit. Lord, you know where I'm at today in life. You know what I'm facing. You know what's going on in, in me and in my family and my job. Whatever this looks like, Lord, I just need energy to get through today. Well, Lord, you know what financial situation I'm facing that I just need to be able to pay the bills. Lord, show me what I can do. Show me, show me what you want to do to set this up so that, so that I can just take care of my family, Lord. Um, God, give me the patience that you know I need for the people in my life. Whether it's family or it's a coworker or it's a friend or it's something out there, Lord. Lord, you know, you know exactly what I need to get through. Pray, begin to pray for a clean heart. You know, acknowledge that we don't have that you don't have it all together. God, sometimes I need you to help keep me on track too, Lord. Pray for that clean heart. As Matthew uh, says, says in chapter 6, verse 12, he says, Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. All right, God, give me that clean heart. Bring me back to a place of cleansing where I'm free and I'm not hanging on to old wounds and offenses and hurts. And, you know, when I bring up even that word forgiveness, some of you here know right now who in your life you're probably needing to forgive. It's just been really, really hard. Some of you might not know who to forgive. Um, some of you need God to bring those people to your mind. And, um, you know, I was hanging out with someone at, at church in the office the other day who we were working on some stuff. We were cleaning our, our storage rooms and all that. And I found a little like a, a sermon prop from, from 
a series maybe over a decade ago, and it had a little like stick with a sign on it that said seeds of forgiveness, and it had a little picture of white corn on it. You know, it was, a, it was an illustration from something. I was like, well, anybody need these seeds? And I had someone else we were working with who's just a member of our church I'm in another campus just say, oh, I've already, I've already reaped that harvest. You know, I've got, that. I've got forgiveness in my life. I'm like, I think we got to be very careful with forgiveness because, oh, I've already forgiven so-and-so. And I think when we, when we choose to put them out of our minds so we don't have to deal with it, that might seem like forgiveness sometimes. But we need to be able to give God the full soil of our heart because just because we see that nothing's sprouting out of the surface right now doesn't mean that there's not a root left under the surface of that plant, of that bitterness, of that offense, from that past relationship, from that other wound in our life. We need to be willing to say, God, you know what? I feel like I'm done with this, but let me ask you, Lord, if there is any root of bitterness in my life, if there's any unforgiveness that I'm unaware of, show me, God. And so, sometimes when you sit and pray and you listen, sometimes he starts to bring things to mind. Maybe he brings an emotion to mind that's attached to somebody who you thought you forgave. Maybe just awareness of that emotion is that symbol as I see you forgave him and that's great, but there's a, still a little bit of root there that, you know, just come to me, give me the root. Let me, let me walk you through that, right? That God wants us to be able to come to this, come to him and ask for that clean heart and let him lead us we got to give it all to God and ask him to heal us and help us move forward. It's all in his strength. You can't choose to do all the tilling of that soil of your heart on your own. You need God to show you how to lead you through that too. And then uh, the final way here, you know, we're going to talk about in this roadmap. So we've got worshiping God, praying his will before our own, then, then making our requests known and our needs, asking for a clean heart, and then engaging in spiritual warfare with our prayers is really important. Right? Matthew 6.13 says, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. He's saying, when you pray, make a petition to the Lord, make a request of God, acknowledge the battle that goes on in the spiritual that you can't always see with your eyes, right? That you don't always feel the wounds on your flesh. Sometimes there's something going on in the spiritual realm that we need to acknowledge and be okay to say, hey, you might not even know what's, what the battle's going on in the spiritual realm, but acknowledge it, bring it to the Lord and say, God, I pray against the work of the enemy. I pray for your Holy Spirit to have his way in my life, and I reject what the enemy wants to do, right? And I want, to, I want to encourage you. Some of you get really excited. Some of, some of you in the room get really excited at spiritual warfare and coming against the enemy. Don't, don't start here in your prayer. If you, have, if, you, if you haven't already walked through these other areas of giving God your heart and, and, and getting that clean heart and worshiping him and putting him first. Because if you begin to, you know, not even purposefully sometimes, if you begin to take on this battle of spiritual warfare and neglect what God wants to do in you first, you, you may get out there and battle with all your armor and your weapons and all that, but man, like if, if, if you've left your own camp unsettled, you know, you can get out of balance a little bit. God wants us to come to him, to establish ourselves with him, right? To be able to know that when we go into warfare, we are strong on his word. We are strong in our relationship with him, that we, uh, that we aren't just going off of, oh, the Bible says this, so I'm going to do this, saying, the Bible says it, so I will, but I also need to know that God is my God. And when I say this, I'm believing it because my relationship with him is strong. It's not just some tactic of prayer because I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to do this. You know what I'm saying? We want to build up our relationship with God. We want to come to him in worship and in, and in surrender so that when we go out and battle, we're not battling for us. 
We're battling for his kingdom. We're not representing ourselves in the battle. We're representing him in that battle, right? We're going to go to battle in the spiritual for him, for his glory, for his good. And, but I also want to warn you the other way. Don't avoid this either just because you think you're not ready for that battle. Right? There's a battle going on and it is always going on and we can't ignore the fact that there's something in the spiritual that it was always there. Not every sin you make, not every failure you have is an, as a result of the enemy, but we need to acknowledge that there's a battle and sometimes he's gonna wanna weasel his way into our lives. But God has given prayer to us as a weapon to engage in this battle and a, he has given it to us as a winning weapon that when we pray and when we acknowledge God and we bring him in, we will always come through victorious through the name of Jesus Christ, through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Maybe it just looks like this. God, I, res I resist the works of the devil in my life and against my family, right? <laughs> As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. We will represent him. We say no to whatever the enemy wants to do. I put on the armor of God. Maybe you want to read through Ephesians 6, the book of Ephesians chapter 6, where he lists the armor of God and pray those things out. God, I take the sword of the spirit because it is your truth. And I will fight not with false things, but I will fight with truth. And I will hold up my shield of faith because I trust you, Lord. I know that you have the strength to defend me through that faith with from the fiery darts of the enemy. God, I put on that helmet of salvation, Lord. I put that on because I know the enemy and the world and even my own flesh will try and lure me away from my confident knowledge of the salvation that I have in you. But when I know that I am yours, I know that I am protected. And the breastplate of righteousness, God, when my heart is right, when I have that clean heart that I prayed for, I know that, God, I can trust you, that I will not let the, tr the, the lies of the enemy, the lies of the culture that are out there to infect my heart, to steal my joy, joy and my love from you, oh God. You see what I'm saying? You can begin to take very practical things and pray them out to engage in that. Declare the truth in God's word. He who is greater, he who is in me, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he who is in the world. The enemy out there, you know, prowling around like a roaring lion looking whom to devour. He can't win because the spirit in me, the spirit of the living God is greater than any of that. You can start to make those declarations. That's how you can engage in warfare in your prayers. It's so cool that God has given us the ability to crush Satan under our heel, just like scripture says, because of what Jesus did for us on that cross and because he ascended and sent us the Holy Spirit. It's so awesome. Finally, one more way to pursue God, right? We talked about investing in his people and praying in private, but something else a little more practical as well um, to pursue God through prayer is to schedule regular times of fasting. And I think we can get away from this one a little bit because it, we can see it maybe as an, as an extra in that. But I want to encourage you to consider looking at your life and going, God, um, how might you lead me to fast? And when in my life might I be able to schedule this to make this happen? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 17 through 18, he says, When you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private. And your Father who sees everything will reward you, Right? We're not talking about fasting so that you can do it as some sort of religious thing to prove that you're spiritually elite or anything. No, fasting is for everybody. Fasting is an opportunity for us to, to step into another act of surrender where, where we can trust God and we can cry out to him and it'll actually energize your prayer life. If you engage in fasting while praying, it'll energize you. It's meant to be a practice of turning away from the things of the world or your own flesh and directing your focus and your commitment and your spirit and your need towards heaven, towards God, towards things of the spirit, right? 
According to the Bible, fasting can be done for various reasons. It can be done to develop a personal hunger for God. Right? You can fast, say, God, I just want to, I just want to hunger more for you. I want, to, I want to develop a stronger level of desperation and desire for this connection with you. You can fast to hear from God about a major life decision. You know what? i got to make a big change in my life, God. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say no to some of this stuff. And when I feel tempted to say yes to it, I'm going to say no and turn to you and make this a moment of prayer. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you so that I can position myself to hear from you, Lord. You can fast to cry out on behalf of someone else who doesn't know the Lord. God, i got a family member that doesn't know Jesus. I'm going I'm to schedule some time of fasting, God, so that I can just invest in you and my prayer life with you and just cry out for them. Lord, hear my prayers. I'm coming to you. Help this person in my family. Help this friend of mine. Help this person in my community that I've seen out there who's struggling, Lord. Help them know you so that their life can turn around for the better and they can live with you instead of on their own. You can fast to engage in that spiritual warfare, right? To say, God, I'm going I'm to step aside in my life here. I'm going to make this time to come to you and engage in this battle and say, Lord, this is all about you. Have your way. We're going to tear down the strongholds that the enemy looked to build up and we're going we're gonna, to encamp ourselves in fasting and in prayer in this moment with you, God, to put you first. And again, there's so many ways you could fast. It could be food. It could be media. Maybe that's a really good one nowadays to get away from a little bit. It could be just habits you have in your life. So many other things. You know, for me, I remember for when I first learned about fasting, because I grew up as a kid in a Lutheran church, I thought, hey, it sounds a lot like Lent. Except for me, I was just, I'm going to give up peanut butter because I like it to see how long I can give it up for. It was like, it was like a challenge, but it wasn't, I didn't know that I could actually do that as an action to say, God, I want to deny my own desires to put a desire for you first. See what I'm saying? Fasting can be a really practical thing that can powerfully draw you near to the heart of God and see breakthrough in your prayer life through prayer and fasting. You know, we really, we really need to, I think, make a priority of pursuing God in our life. There's so many things we pursue with our time, with our finances, with our energy, with our relationships, with our jobs, with our church experiences. But pursuing just a relationship and a connection with God through prayer and fasting and investing in our pursuit of him has to be one, one of our top priorities. Pursuing our God who is love and who is truth. I want to pursue love. I want to pursue truth, right? Through prayer and fasting, we can engage in that more. Larry Stockstill, he's a pastor down at Bethany Church in Louisiana. He said, a burden for prayer and fasting is the foundation of all successful ministry. If we, if we try and lead a life group or engage in a life group, if we try and lead worship or sing in worship, if we try and do anything that's, that's you know, supposed to be for God, but we're not personally connecting with him on our own individually, it's only going to take us so far. You know, um, I believe that sometimes we feel that temptation to feel tired, to feel worn out, to feel like there's just not enough opportunity for me in this. You know, the Bible talks about us, uh, you know, building up this desire to be oaks of righteousness planted along the stream. Well, sometimes I feel like, you know, we feel like there's not enough rain to sustain, to sustain us, you know, as oaks. There's not enough sustenance, not enough sunlight. Not, you know, think of whatever in your life. Just, I just feel like I'm worn out. There's not enough, not enough, not enough. I feel like a word that God is wanting you to hear this morning is that you, he has made you an oak of righteousness. And there is enough. 
Sometimes our, our focus just gets off of him in such a way we're not seeing what he's doing. But if we, if we turn our attention to him, if we put him first, we will realize that he has given us everything that we need. He has built our roots strong. Sometimes it's us just saying, it's sometimes us just making a choice to say, God, I'm going to stop looking at what I can do on my own and what I'm feeling like I'm getting. And I'm going to put you first, God. I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to put you first, O oh Lord. When we get our eyes off of ourselves and everything else and we focus on him, I believe that he will show us. He will show you. I believe someone in here today who's been feeling tired and worn out and feeling like there's just not enough for me to go on, God's got something for you. And maybe there's something in your life he's been doing in you already that you haven't even been realizing yet. And he's going to show you, wow, God, you've been there for me all along. He's going to show you. He's going, he's going to lead you. But we got to put our eyes and our focus on him here this morning.